today it is a special honor. We're here with Jeffrey Gittimer, who is the king of sales. He has 15 best-selling books. He is a speaker whose expertise in sales, customer loyalty, and personal development is world-renowned. His keynote speeches are not only funny, insightful, and in-your-face, the real world, off the wall, and on the money. One thing I didn't know about you, Jeff, that I just that I just realized is that you've been given exclusive access to the archives of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, um, which is very exciting. You have your first book going out with that. And also your podcast, Sell or Die, has over 100,000 downloads per month. Uh, that is amazing. And also, it is amazing. It is. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's really neat. We're going to definitely get into that. And also, also been inducted into the National Speakers Association I, in the Hall of Fame. That's amazing. I didn't know that either. So you've attended more of my sales meetings than you probably know. So without further ado, here is Jeffrey Gittimer. So, um, thank you. I guess before we begin, I should thank you for violating my copyright laws by showing my stuff to a group. But that's, <laughs> well, that's yeah, not... I read that on your. Uh, um, it's it's uh, what was it when you said how many in your, or how many sales were on little uh, little red book? Yeah, there's no way of ever telling. <laughs> right, selling. There's, there's no way because they everyone. Um, we know we can document over a million books in the United States, but when you give your rights up to a foreign country, they violate their contract and never think twice about it. And you said you thought it was around 5 million? Is, is, yeah, it was somewhere in there. That's, that's amazing. Our, that's our guess, yeah. Wow, wow. Well, how? my question is, is how did you end up getting into sales at all? Um, I had a family that was uh, entrepreneurial. Before the word entrepreneur was anything, they were all business people. My my grandfather, father, his brothers, you know, everyone had a business. Okay. And I realized that the business didn't mean anything unless you sold something. Sure. And so I sort of began to understand what that was all about. And when I started my own business in the 60s, I said, oh, um, I better be the sales guy. Yeah. And so I was, I, I manufactured leisure furniture. I went around to furniture stores and made sales and it was pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, literally it was pretty easy. Um, I had the gift of gab and then I sort of buckled down for a few years and studied the science of selling. Okay. Um, you know, you can, you can be okay if you have the gift of gab, but you're never really going to get to the top level unless you understand what sales is all about intellectually, emotionally, and, and uh, uh, recognize that the sale is made emotionally and then justified logically. Until you get to that point, you're going to flounder. And most salespeople flounder because they take what their company has taught them and think it's right. Yeah. You know, they say, oh, this is the gospel, which is mostly bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Do what I say, not what I do. Did you right. find that as an entrepreneur, do you, and that's actually a really good question, do you think most Anybody who starts a business or is an entrepreneur should really actually learn the art of sales um, before they teach anybody that? Yeah. If you're not the best salesperson, let, let's say you're a business owner and you hire salespeople, but you don't like sales and you can't do sales, your employees are never going to listen to you who are salespeople. Right. It's simple. If you're a sales manager and you can't go out and make a sale where a salesperson cannot, no one will ever listen to you. Right. So you put yourself in a double deficit position by having salespeople and you can't sell. And by having salespeople that don't listen to you, it's 
It's horrible. And Bad you, structure all the way around, right? <laughs> yeah. So whoever the owner of the company is, they have to learn how to sell. And it, you can look at it all the way down the road from, from Steve Jobs to, um, you know, to Bill Gates. Um, all these people over time have learned how to position themselves to have people buy. And that's the process. And it's not an, I, I don't consider selling an art. I consider it a science. Yeah. Okay. It's repeatable. You can learn it. Um, I, to me, if there's an art of selling, it's never letting the other person feel like they're being sold. Right. Adding value and then knowing it's going to come by the, by the exactly. wayside. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. How, you, and how do you how, see? Sorry, go ahead. How did you start your podcast? Uh, well, I just started this. Um, what I did was I decided to. I we have a lot. I do a lot of coaching and writing, and mm -hmm. um, I, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. I've made a ton of mistakes and done it all the hard way in business, um, and and learned the hard way. And so what I decided to do is okay. What I'm going to do is train people or teach people all the things to hopefully at least they make a few less mistakes along the way yeah and so i was just very passionate about that and when you started your podcast what were you expecting um i didn't really know what to expect to be honest with you i you know i always want to get people to i, I want to get people's attention um but we're not getting to the point of social media that i know that you are and the effect that you have on with social media and how many people follow you uh you know i know um your I, your podcast is amazing. So, um, I, yeah, right. But we're we're Jen and Jennifer Gluckow, my wife and I, we do our podcast based on our experiences mm -hmm. and our guests. Okay. And we ask them to cross promote it so that their listeners become our listeners. Absolutely. And that grows our subscriber base, and that grows our listener base. We we do that as well, but and that we're not quite you obviously started with a little bit more uh oh yeah player <laughs> yeah. i definitely i had an advantage and we took advantage of the advantage yep and now you get to help that many more people well we're i'm very blessed for that i'll just say that it's it's um it is for sure um an opportunity to do it live and to do it in the studio and you know we go live on mondays we do a um um uh, Motivation Monday, we, I do a couple of other live things. We have a 2020 um, sales group that is called Sales Vision. And um, for 20 bucks a month, you join the group and you get answers. Wow. I know. Wow. What, what, how do we get a hold of people? If people want to do that, how do they do that? I'll get you the link you can put in the show notes. Okay. I think it's 2020salesvision.com. Oh, okay. That's great. Okay. Awesome. That's uh, how do you think as far as uh, your overall, how has it affected your overall business with your podcast and, and, and book sales? I know you love to write and I love that you, you say it's just talking because mm -hmm. I, I tried telling a couple people who don't have books. All you're doing is if you have a presentation and you have something, you're just talking and that's all you're doing is it's put into words. So how has that affected? Has that helped at all? Or Yeah. The podcast keeps us current and top of mind. Okay. People listen on a weekly basis. We have lots of listeners. We have lots of loyal listeners. We go out once a day. So we know there's lots of people listening all the time. Sure. Um, not every day is live, but every day is alive. We do everything in our own studio. 
And what happens is, is that I stay relevant with my listener base. Okay. So that when I do launch a book, they haven't forgotten about me. Right. And when I do launch a seminar tour, they haven't forgotten about me. Yep. And the, the object of selling is stay top of mind. Yeah. Can you, can you stay top of mind with your prospective customers and your existing customers? And the thing I love too, and I, you know, for, for years, whenever I try to talk to my, a sales group or entrepreneurs about selling, I always, I, I used to, especially sugarcoat a lot about what I was going over. And I think the first time I saw one of your YouTube videos, I was just like, yes, he has it right. There is no, there is no uh, cherry on top of this. This is how the real world is. You want to make excuses? You can make excuses. I love the way you present. I want to uh, talk to your listeners about what the hell are they doing? Okay. Um, I, I, we're in a boom economy right now. Right. Couldn't be any better. And sales guys are still about what's wrong and all the other kind of crap about the world that we can't do this or fight me on price. I can't get a, to the decision maker. Like, dude, now's your time to make bacon. Yeah. And yeah. if, you're not, if you're not making bacon today, just think about what it was like five years ago. Oh, exactly. Right. It was horrible. Yeah. And uh, worse, companies weren't investing in our company, in our country, because they weren't clear about where the country was going. Right. And I'm not going to say good or bad about our present leader. Um, he's certainly controversial, but you can't argue about the fact that the economy is flying. That's, you're, you're exactly right. And companies are spending money again, investing money again. Yeah. And now's your chance to really take money in. And if you don't, it's your damn fault. And if you can't make it now, really, in this environment, I mean, you, you might want to think about something else. <laughs> yeah, like a job at Walmart yeah, in the stock room or something. And not that it's bad to work in the stock room at Walmart. Don't give me a bunch of shit about that with emails. But the bottom line is it's a, it is a non-sales job. Yeah. That's, and there is a requirement of, of working in any warehouse. Yes. You have to be smarter than the boxes. Yes. And if you're not, you've got a problem. Yes. I had a warehouse for years, and, and I, when I hired somebody for the warehouse, I said, Here's, this is the only key to the job. You have to be smarter than the boxes. Yes. And every once in a while, I would hire somebody, and they were not. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I know that. Well, that's actually, you bring up a lot of good points with that part of discussion. How is it that you, because you pride yourself on, you're constantly adapting the sales process, and, and you've really taken technology, social media, and things by storm, even mm -hmm. if you have been in sales since the 60s, you said? Right. So how is it, um, what kind of advice do you have to salespeople about that? And how do you find yourself doing it I, other than the fact that you, you also know that you're a constant learner um, and educating yourself? Well, I wake up in the morning and I do one of five or all of five things. I write, I read, I prepare, and that causes me to think and create. That's the fraction. But most salespeople their time away. They go home at night and you have a choice. Social media reputation, Netflix. Yep. <laughs> Those are your two choices. Yep. Now, well, I'm going to binge watch. What? If the word binge is in your vocabulary, yeah. it's a bad word. Right. It's like binge drinking, binge drugging, binge whatever it is. Yep. And 
you're you're a fool. Yeah. So you have to take if the salesperson who's not making it right has to come to the realization that it's time to change the way you invest your time. And in exchange for that is the way you spend your time. Yeah. You spend your time, you make nothing. Yeah. You invest your time, you make something. Right. So at least maybe if you're watching Netflix three hours a night, only watching an hour and a half and then devote an hour and a half to you. Yep. But most salespeople don't do that. They're relaxing with a glass of wine or a glass of beer and telling me how well, I needed this today. No, you didn't need that today. You just didn't happen the right way. Yeah. That what you need is an attitude book more than anything and an attitude philosophy more than anything. And then just shut up and, and get something done. You're, yeah. you're a whiner. Yeah, that's right. And so you, you take the, the process of, of selling and you try to figure out where you're weak. And you can do that if you go to the Gittimer Learning Academy and you, you can purchase an assessment and a, and a certification program. I, I forget how much it is. I think it's like 300 bucks. But you buy the assessment and it'll tell you exactly where you are. What you need to do and what you need right. to do. Right. Exactly. Something we so, didn't have 15 years ago. I mean, I'm making it so easy for salespeople that if you can't make it, there's something drastically, drastically wrong. Yeah. Like you don't get or you don't. And here's the other thing. And I think this is very important. If you don't love your job, today's the day to quit. Yeah. Because you're going to rise to some level of mediocrity and you're going to do it with some kind of cynicism or negativity or bad talk about other people, your boss, your price, your customers, just bullshit. And just leave it alone. Yeah. Just leave it alone. Go someplace where you, if you, if you love violins, then take a job in a music store. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what do you do as far as with, uh, with your sales team or with the sales team or during training? So like I've seen a lot of people over the years in the financial planning industry to where uh, individuals rise to a certain level, mm -hmm. income hits that whatever it may be, five or six figure mark, and they're comfortable. And, you know, it's not that they've lost the love, but the effort's gone. And, you know, they're so satisfied with if that next level comes great, but I don't really want to do anything for it. How do you, how do you do, what do you do with sales people like that? The best thing to do is shoot them. <laughs> Make it simple, huh? Well, if you shoot them in the foot, they're going to like, somebody just shot me in the foot. I've got to do something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, it's amazing to me that people reach a level of complacency. Yeah. Where they are fat and happy or just fat. Yeah. And you take the easiest path to mediocrity that you possibly can. And maybe we need a bunch of those people. Yeah. But the bottom line is there's going to be achievers and those achievers are going to get younger and younger and younger. And finally, they're going to pass you by. Yep. You're, you're going to become irrelevant in the world and your business will slowly erode. Yeah. If you're not, if you're in the insurance business, as you just pointed out, if you're not replacing customers at a two to one basis, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone dies or someone takes another insurance agent, um, you got to replace them with two people. Yep. Yeah. 
And if you don't, and this is almost universal in any business, if you lose a customer, go get two. Yeah. But I, I think that, that it's not understood where the, the person has been doing it for a long time. They go, ah, oh, it's just one. Yeah. I get complimented every time when I hand out a business card and how, what a small investment. Right. Exactly. For a lasting impression. Yep. Um, Moo.com, you know, Moo.com. Huh. You can go there and get your business cards. Okay. Moo.com. Yeah. M O O.com. Okay. And they're amazing. Okay. And they're cheap. Wow. Okay. And you can get a hundred to try it out and see if you like it. That's perfect. Yeah, exactly. And, and what a better business expense than something that's a lasting impression, right? Because <laughs> you're going to spend thousands of dollars on your brochure that's pretty much going to get shredded. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, if you don't I, mind, Jeffrey, I'd like to switch gears just a little bit on your sure. on on being part of the Napoleon Hill Foundation and getting exclusive access. What's that been like for you? And what an honor. I mean, wow. I have, um, there's a newsletter that the Napoleon Hill Foundation puts out every week. It's called Napoleon Hill Yesterday and Today. Okay. It has around 75,000 subscribers. I print that for them. I publish that for them every week. And I've been doing that for more than a decade for free. Wow. Don't charge them a dime, nothing, no expense whatsoever. And I did it because I got my positive attitude from Napoleon Hill and I'm just saying thank you. That's yeah. all I'm saying is thank you. So they came across these writings of Napoleon Hill and they called me and said, do you want to edit and annotate this? I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> so we struck a business deal and I, they gave me literally, I could show you this. The, there's three volumes of this and these are the first writings. Hopefully it'll be upside down and right side up. The first writings of Napoleon Hill. They had them all, and they're all, these are just photocopies of the original document. All the original writings of Napoleon Hill. Half of it was about selling skills, and this is in 1917. Okay. Half of it was about selling skills, and the other half was about personal development because Hill knew that no one's going to sell anything unless they believe in themselves, unless they're thinking the right way, unless they do the right thing, eat the right food. So I eliminated all the sales stuff. Okay. And only focused on the end of the lessons, which were personal development lessons, and there's 23 of them. Okay. And with those lessons, I created this book called Truthful Living. And I'm unfortunately, it's not around me at the moment. I don't want to interrupt your thing, but Truthful Living will help anybody do anything. It's, it's unbelievable. The, the first chapter is success is up to you. The second chapter is finish what you start. I love it. The third chapter is how to think. Like it can't be any more real. Yeah. Can't be any more real. Well, and, and so the challenge that anybody has is finding something that you can latch on to that you believe in, even if it's old. Don't worry about it if it's old. Yeah. This was published 20 years before Think and Grow Rich was, was around. Wow. These are his original thoughts. And I got the opportunity to do it because I'm a value giver. Yeah. I'm a value it's, it's giver. A decade worth of stuff. Yeah. Right. That's the best example I can give of how I have practiced my own philosophies. That's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I, that's, 
that's what an honor. That's so cool. That's it is an honor. And people try to, you know, they they try to overcomplicate success, entrepreneurship, business, sales, and it's amazing how if you just think about it logically and just look at the steps. Just remember what your mother and father said about, you know, to you when they were raising you. Do the right thing. Yep. And make friends with Billy. Yeah. You know, don't say anything bad about people. I mean, you. They, you already have all the lessons. You're just not using them. Yep, you're exactly right. And when you read Napoleon Hill, some people think, oh, that's, I've read that. It's hokey. Yeah. No, no, it's not hokey. It's valid. It's, yeah. Exactly. Hokey is valid. Yeah. And people don't understand that the simplicity of it is what works. Yeah. And, and they probably don't want to hear it when they say it's hokey because it makes too much. Um, it's, there's, there's an evolution of lexicon. Hill in 1917 wrote the word concentration and that was his catalyst his key his glue for making everything else happen okay for achieving your goals for thinking the right way for doing the right thing and by the 50s it had morphed into the word focus and now it's the word mindset right arguably the most overused cliche Probably not in the history of cliches, but it's really close now. It's up there, yeah. Paradigm was the one that absolutely changed everything. You know, it's a paradigm shift. <laughs> is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's basically a change of focus or a change of ideas or whatever. And they try to put a big word to it to make it seem like it's something bigger than, you know. Yeah. And in sales now, when you hire somebody new, they call it onboarding. Like, really? Like, how about teaching somebody how to be successful? Yeah, exactly. Because I don't get onboarding. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm stupid, but I don't get it at all. And I want to have somebody that is successful. So why don't I teach them how to be successful? They don't, you know, it's funny. Nobody wants to sell copiers although thousands of people do, and everyone, everybody wants to be successful, every single person. So instead of teaching me how to sell copiers, why don't you start out by teaching me how to become successful? That's great. That's, is that part of your sales, like when you're hiring people? Yeah. Is that part of the process? Yeah. Okay. I want everybody here to be successful. That's, that's perfect. And that's the only way, because that's what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who Whatever I do is a byproduct of them becoming successful. Yeah. And I always tell people too, I, you know, you talk about when you're talking about keeping it simple and whatnot, I always tell people, give a hundred percent at whatever you're doing. Right. If people come into the office and they, they play on Facebook, they do whatever that's not actually improving what they're doing. And I say, it's just like the people who go to the gym and just BS by the, the, you know, the weight bench or they're texting the whole time. Yeah. What, how much more could you get done if you went into the gym and gave 100% or you came into work and you were focused on how many people I need to contact today to hit the quota that I want to hit, nobody else's, yeah. live the lifestyle that I want to live. And uh, that's the most effective thing that I've always done. You look uh, disgustingly fit. Oh, thank you. I'm working <laughs> on it. So, it's the black shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's the black shirt. Yeah. yeah. It must be that. Um, but the challenge is to be consistent at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the challenge, you know, and I'm, I'm consistent at my own personal success habits. I'm inconsistent on going to the gym. Yeah. 
very inconsistent. And um, you have to work on it. And as you age, there's only so much resistance that you can tolerate. Yeah. Like I don't, I used to run every day. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm in my seventies. I don't want to run anymore because it, it creaks all your joints. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have to do something that's, that's, uh, that doesn't pound the pavement. Yeah. Um, but the challenge for anybody who's listening, it go back and there, there's a book by Napoleon Hill called how to sell your way through life. And it's arguably, the, and, and I'm trying to be as nice as I possibly can. It's better than mine. Yeah. Um, How to Sell Your Way Through Life is, has a chapter in it with the 28 qualities that make a master salesperson. And the first one is being fit. Like, <laughs> what's know, number two? <laughs> it it doesn't matter what number two is. If it, there's, you know, there's five master qualities, and the bottom line is that if you don't dig those five, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. well, I'll I'll try to finish up here for you. All right. Um, what What's the one piece of business advice you would give to an entrepreneur? Love what you do or get the out. Okay. Excellent. And and then what about to a salesperson? Same thing or something? Yeah. Better? Exactly the same thing, but be dedicated to it. I'm, I'm not in favor of side hustles. Okay. I like and that. the reason I'm not in favor of them is because they distract you. I, you I, either have the I, quit and go do what you love or what you really want to do. Like I really want to do this. So let me start something on the side. Now I don't want to, I don't want you to miss your mortgage payment or your car payment or your kid's tuition at school, but you need to have a game plan to get to some place that you really want to be. Everyone who has a side hustle, hates what they do. Yep. And that's or hates their boss or hates their whatever it is. They want more and they think the the way to do it is to double down and it's not. Yeah. It's it's double down on what you love. Yeah. You know, even if you you know if you if you like violins, take the job in the music store and and work your way to or buy a music store. Or or you know, but have five people work for you to give violin lessons and take 20%. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I mean, love that because whenever we, we talk to people who want to come in and part time and start doing something and I just tell them you can't do it part time. It just, uh, we tried it, seen people try it over the years. You got to right. burn the ships. You got to jump in a hundred percent. You've got to have no backup of, Oh, well, it's okay. I still am working 40 hours here, but I can do this here. No, no, you can't. Yeah. You're either in or out. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And unfortunately, you could sell real estate on the side if you were in a small town. Right. Um, you know, you sell two or three houses a year and you're happy. Yeah. But in a big city, dude, you're either selling real estate full time or you're toast. Yeah. And what's the reason for not doing what that number one real estate person's doing instead of doing it on the side? As exactly. I mean, you're talking about a whole different lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. And you look at it from the perspective of, okay, how do I get to be number one? Right. And the answer is you do uncommon things consistently. So um, I'm going to give you the best example I've ever seen. I trained at Lexus of Charlotte, Lexus, Hendrick Lexus of Charlotte. Okay. They have about 50 salespeople. One guy's number one. 
and he was he's not working there anymore, but he was the number one 10 years every month. What did he do different than everybody else did just to be number one? Right, right. Every wakes up, he drives to a customer's house, drops off his car, picks up their car, takes it in for service, and brings it back at the end of the day. Wow. Every day. Now, half the people who came in to the Hendrick Lexus said, hey, is Richie here? Wow. Who the hell wouldn't want to buy a car for that picks up your car and brings it in for service? Yeah, exactly. Who? Yeah. Who? And this guy doubles everybody else because he is consistent and did something that is so obvious. Yeah. I mean, it's not, oh, man, that guy's a genius for doing that. No, no, it's the most obvious thing you can do. Yeah. Service. Just think about it. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you very much, Jeffrey. We greatly appreciate you being. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much.